Hey, I'm Abigail, and this is Peak Curiosity. This week, I have a friend called Walter Falcon. We've known each other for about 12 years now, but I still have learned a lot throughout this whole conversation and the editing process. He references quite a few books, so I have links to them in the description so you won't have to try to remember them all. And you know, thanks for taking the time out of your crazy life to listen. There are a million better podcasts that you should probably be listening to instead. And that is not lost on me. So thank you, and please enjoy. So, um, just for some relaxation purposes, mm-hmm. how was your week? It was all right. And the family in town that was in town was really nice. Uh, the only downfall to having family in town is if you like the family that's from out of town, it like pulls family that's from the area that you might not like out. Uh, oh, also, they yeah. also come. Yeah. So like... You know, it's nice to have family from outside of town Mm -hmm. come in because you expect them. But, like, after about a week of having the family that's already been here... Yeah, that you see all the time. Yeah, yeah, you're like, I don't see you this much for a reason, right? It cracks me up because I did not think that we were very similar. (laughs) But we are so similar, but it's just a couple things that we care about are so different that mm-hmm. I always just assumed. But we're, we're so similar in the way we yeah, are about those things. Yeah, we're so intense about the things. Yeah. That, yeah. Yep. And that's why when we were younger, like, we butted heads so much. Constantly it's because, fighting. It's because we had the exact same personality in the things we care about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Our poor youth leaders. Oh, my gosh. I feel bad for them. <laughs> Ken and Paul. <sighs> Do you think they talked about us? Behind our back. Oh, I know they found us behind our backs. Well, no, they talked about you. Okay, we don't know if that's they talked true, that's about true. me. I'll give you that. I was a good kid in high school. In everyone's eyes. I was good in everyone's eyes. In everyone's eyes, like we don't really know if you were actually oh, a good kid. No, everyone thought you I might mean, have been a good kid. I mean, everyone has their demons, but generally, I don't. You don't have any demons. I don't have demons. No. How did you accomplish that? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we all have things we yeah. struggle with. But I really liked adults telling me that they liked me. So I was... Uh, That's hilarious. I've kind of grown out of it a bit. Mm-hmm. I've kind of turned into a screw you person. <clears throat> That's hilarious. But when I was little, I really liked it when they were like, you are so good at memorizing Bible verses. <laughs> See, yeah. Yeah. We all had different adults, so I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Your adults. You're so great at memorizing Bible verses. My adults. Hey, you use that knife really nice. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not get too much into the weeds of your childhood <laughs> at this point. Let's let's wait five oh, okay. minutes. Okay. Okay, so uh, where were you born and kind of where did you grow up? Are those two okay. different questions? Um, they're super close. Uh, I was born in a town called Visalia, California. Uh, about 130,000 people city in central California, about 45 miles south of Fresno. Uh, I grew up in a little town to the east of it called Exeter. Uh, 
on uh, H Street. It's where my grandma lived. And so that's where I was first grew up. And then we kind of moved to Gold Beach, Coos Bay area, and then moved to Ontario area. And why did you guys move here? Um, my mom always followed my, my grandmother. Ever. Okay. Yeah, because my, yeah, my mom always followed my grandmother no matter where she went. My grandmother moved from Visalia, Exeter area, Tulare County, that's the county, up to Coos Bay. And so my mom packed up and followed her up there. And then eventually my grandmother and grandpa moved over here to or- Ontario. And so we just followed again. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, So how old were you when you moved here? Here, I... 11, 12, somewhere around there. Okay. So you basically ended up at Calvary Chapel pretty quick to when you moved here. Yes. Like, right after. Because I was attending Calvary in Gold Beach. Oh, okay. And so when I saw there was a Calvary here, I just was like, oh, I'll go there. Yeah. That's... One thing that I think the Calvaries have a big head up in the business is that they uh, have the name yes. that everyone knows. So what did your parents do? As in, like... How did they in, make money? Oh, okay. But um, also, what did your dad do? Yeah. In case those so, are two different questions. We'll, we'll start with my mom. My mom, ever since I was born, I really... So when we lived in Coos Bay, she worked at a jerky factory... Like, oh. we put jerky into the machines and it makes <laughs> jerky, right? And then she worked at a fish, fish factory where... Like one, a hatchery? No, no, no. Factory, a factory where, like... A factory, they, yeah. Factory. A fish factory where, like, they would feed the the raw fish meat into the machines and it would grind oh, in. Oh, that's and, disgusting. Yeah. Well, one day she was putting her hands, like, feeding it in and it caught <laughs> her oh. right hand. And it cut her ring finger on her right hand in half. And her hand was stuck in the grinder. And so they had to take the grinder off and take it. She, like, walked into the hospital with it completely in the grinder, right? Well, they told her, You're, that finger's dead, essentially. So they told her, we can either sew it straight, like, where you wouldn't have a fist, and your ring <laughs> finger will be sticking straight up for the rest of your life. Or we can leave it bent. And it'll be bent forever. Or it'll be bent forever. And my mom, she was bent. But when you're like seven and you get spanking by a hand that has a bent finger, you get scratched sometimes and your mom freaks out. Why didn't they just amputate it? Why didn't she have a nubby? I don't know. (laughs) These doctors, there was a third option they did not explore. Not at all. But after that, my entire life, or since then, she worked really in uh, hotels as maids and cleaning hotels. But, uh, yeah. And your dad? My dad was a gang member. My my dad was a a Northsider in Exeter. uh, And, yeah. So, all that comes along with that. And... Honestly, I never actually feared as a kid because mm-hmm. everyone that was I was around was super protective over me because I was Andy's kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I was the only white kid 
<laughs> that was allowed to walk down H Street next to her. Yikes. Because everyone saw me and was like, that's Andy's kid. Leave him. That's good. So yeah. what would happen if if somebody totally unbeknownst uh, was white and walked down that street? You know, that is a great question that I don't know. I the they they had a few white guys that they were close with. My dad's uh adopted brother, his name is uh Todd. Todd Satan. Are you serious? Yeah, no, that's his real first his real whole name is Todd Satan. Oh my. <sighs> yeah. But uh and it's funny cuz my dad was adopted, since not really adopted, but he kind of was taken under the wing of that family when he was younger and uh my uncle Todd has a has a uh, swastika ta- tattooed on the top of his head. Yeah, oh. he's a he's a total white supremacist. Oh cool. And so it's hilarious. What do they call those skinheads? Yeah. Nice. And it's hilarious to see my uncle Todd and my dad interact. Cuz your dad's Mexican. My dad's Mexican. And my uncle Todd is whiter than white and a white supremacist. <laughs> And it is hilarious. But they got along. Yeah, they they got along fantastically. Like that's so funny. They they fought alongside each other as kids, and mm-hmm. but it it was it's weird because you know with all the racial things going on in the media from you know whites hating blacks. I'll tell you this now: Mexicans hate blacks too. Yeah, a lot, and. It's just hilarious, like, because that's like, yeah. So what happened to this Todd that he would grow up to be like this? Do I have you know? no clue. I don't. I haven't, I have no clue. I haven't seen him in years. Uh, he went to prison for a while, and that's when I was really young. And so and he recently got out, and so he's been in distant now. Like, he's far yeah. away. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, also, was your dad a drug dealer? Yes. Yes. My dad was a drug dealer and my mom was a drug addict. And so, uh, subsequently, I was born addicted to meth and heroin. And, uh, yeah, there's that and all the fun things that come with that. What does it entail? Other than the natural withdrawals as a baby, but how yeah. does it and how does it affect an adult well so i'm i'm autistic because of it okay and i just have a little little corks that (laughs) everyone notices Mm -hmm. they're like walter what okay my thing is is when someone has to explain you by using your name there's something different like if someone's like oh how do you explain walter well walter is walter's walter Walter. Yeah, yeah yeah Everyone has used that in my entire life. They're like, oh, it's just Walter. Like, that's Mm -hmm. when, yeah. And I never knew about being born addicted until I was like 16. I went and visited my brother, Mark, and uh, and, uh, he told me about it. And I was so confused. And so I asked my grandmother when I got back and... She confirmed it, you know, told me about how, like, I knew my mom right after I was born was in rehab, but it didn't click that if it was right after I was born 
that she was on drugs and then she went straight into rehab, I would have been born addicted. I never put those together until afterwards. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, but I've never talked to my parents about it mm-hmm. because, yeah, I'm I'm slight autistic. I'm not terribly autistic or and I don't have a lot of things wrong with me. Uh, and so there's no need for me to really ask about it. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. Do you have much of a relationship with your parents now? Yes. Uh, it, it was, once I turned 18, it was a lot less than it is now. Um, my wife, Sarah, definitely got me more back into having a relationship with my parents. Yeah. It's kind of natural when you're 18 to kind of want to distance and you might come back around. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not not as natural as it was for me. Like, I turned 18, you know, February 24th. And you were gone? I was gone on February 25th. Would right? they have stopped you had you tried to leave earlier? Yeah. They probably. Uh, yeah. No, there was, there was never a doubt in my head that my parents loved me. There was never a doubt in my head, like... That they didn't take care of me because I was always provided for. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, no matter how poor the food was, I still had food on the table. I still had somewhere to lie my head at night. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not have always been the best places, <laughs> but it was a bed. It was a bed. No, not really a bed. It was only lay my head. <laughs> it was a floor. <laughs> it was a floor. I slept a lot on floors. Um fold out couches. Um storage units. Um other drugs. Storage units? Storage units, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I lived in a storage unit for a really, really short amount of time when we were in Gold Beach, but Interesting. Yeah. Doesn't seem legal. It's not at all. So how many siblings do you have? Um, including me would be seven. Oh. Yeah. All with the same parents? No. I'm the only one between my mom and dad. Oh. So my dad has six kids, including me. Okay. My mom has one, uh, two, including me. Okay. So I have a brother, Mark, on my mom's side, who is 13 years older than I am. Okay. And then my dad's side, I have a really older sister that I really don't... I actually don't know even her name. Oh, dear. Yeah, no, my dad really never saw her because uh, that was from his, like, first marriage when he was, like... He was only, like, 16. Mm-hmm. She was, like, a model. And, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Weird. This is... Yeah. And so, eventually, she left him, took the kid, and... And then I have an older brother, Andy Jr., older sister, Alexis. Uh, the oldest daughter is a girl that I don't really know. He, my dad doesn't really know either. And then right before me, I have a brother named Ryan. And then there's me. And then I have a little sister named Tina. Yeah. How come I never knew any of your siblings? Because they don't live here. Well, Ryan, Ryan, our friend, Ryan... Uh, has met my brother Andy. Okay. But any of my any of my other siblings haven't really been here. Okay. So yeah. well, Mark came for my wedding, but Mark and me are the closest ones to each other. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um. So what was the home life like? Did your parents get along? Oh yeah. Well, 
Ha, huh. my parents are interesting. So I have a lot of my parents' uh, love languages okay. in me. I am a bickerer. <laughs> I like bickering back and forth with my spouse or with anyone. My parents always fought, mm-hmm. but never like it was. They there was no doubt in my head that they always loved each other. Yeah, like you didn't feel like every fight was. Are they finally going to be yeah, divorced? Yeah, never. And I, I, hmm. I never really felt like that. And so it, it's hmm. rather interesting. It too. is. Yeah, because my dad has like four baby mamas. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, out of all of them, my mom's the only one he stayed with. Yeah, that is While my mom was in rehab, my dad was with another person, and that's when I, he had my little sister, Tina. And then when my mom got out of rehab, eventually they got back together. So, they've been together ever since. Technically, I don't think they ever really broke up. Gotcha. Yeah. It was just like she's busy she's gone. for a while. Yeah. So Yeah. Um so how come you were the only one of your siblings that ended up at church? That is a question for the ages. Honestly, I heard an Eminem song. Okay. And there was lyrics in it that said, uh I I got a letter from a fan that said he's been praying for me. I already told you in these rhymes that I have God on my side. And I stopped and went, what is God? And my dad, his mom, his grandmother was super Catholic. And so I asked my dad and he gave me some, you know, Catholicism answer to that question. And, you know, Catholicism and Christianity are close enough. Right. And you know, at what age is this? I want to say five. And, uh. Ever since then, there was a church right down the road, which was a, uh, yeah, just a church. I can't remember what it was called, but I just started walking to church. Mm-hmm. Actually, the church was Caddy Corner from my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going there. Nice. Yeah. And then we moved to Gold Beach, and then I continued going to uh, Gold Beach Calvary Chapel there. And everywhere I went, I was just that strange kid who kind of showed up the kid who came by himself yeah yeah it's super weird yeah because like when what we mo- five-year-old just walks to church by himself every week yeah seriously because i remember like when i got here to ontario being a big enough church finally like no one like i'd be in the sunday school class and they would look and my name wouldn't be on the list mm-hmm. because no parent signed me in mm-hmm. and then they'd be like sitting there like hey uh where's your parent at and I'd be like, at home? And they're like, are they going to come pick you up? I'm like, no. <laughs> and like, it was they normal They didn't drop me. me off. They're yeah, not like, come I, pick I walked. Me up. And so it was rather interesting. And that's about that time when we moved here. I had a couple families in our church at the time that were here that started taking me in. Like, uh, I had Nancy Yeager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hector took me in. David Armstrong took me in, um, the Gams, uh, but the Gams were more closer to high school that we started getting close. Yeah. yeah. So you came to church and I didn't prep you with this question, but we had a really tight knit group 
And you were definitely an outsider. Yeah. Was that pretty terrible? Yes. Yeah. That was hard because, uh, yeah, there were just certain things. Like, I hated my life so much as a kid that mm. I wanted to be as integrated into Christian, like, groups as I possibly could be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play for champ sports because mm-hmm. I was sick. I just didn't want to play for public school. Mm-hmm. And being told no to that, mm-hmm. like, killed me inside. Or, you know, hearing all of the other kids from church talking about, oh, they went, like, I remember all the time, they're like, oh, we went airsoft, we, we shot airsofts or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And I was never there because, and I don't blame them that now, but it was super hard because, like, in my head, I'm like, all of these kids go home to great families. Yeah. And I'm going home to a fifth wheel trailer. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got more close with adults. Uh, people like David and Hector because... Kids are mean. Well, not not just that. <laughs> Kids don't think about others. Yeah, they're not. They're, they they're don't like, understand that your life's miserable. Well, it's not just that. It's it's this thing of like, we're gonna stick with the ones we know. Yeah. And I don't blame them. We kind of teach kids this: don't go around strangers, don't you know stuff like that. And it, in their minds, that even applies to kids. Yeah, and I mean, this wasn't a thing that my parents said, but I could imagine that parents would be like don't hang out with Walter. He's going to be a bad influence. Yeah. Just um, imagine what his home life is. This is not a thing that we want you to be a part of. Yeah, exactly. And not knowing that, like, I have a 100% like want and desire to live that life. Yeah. You would be- rather or, be or, pulled into their lifestyle yeah, more than Yeah, than pull anything. someone yeah. else into mine. Because there's a reason I'm at church alone. Yeah. Like, if if I wanted other people into my lifestyle... I would have stayed with my family. Right. You know, but I'm like, hey, I hate the life in which I am in so much that I'm walking to a church that was, shoot, from Love's to Calvary. That's a good walk. That's a good probably four or five miles as a 10-year-old. Yeah. And, like, I want to do that if I wanted other people, other good people to come down to my level. Yeah. And so... Eventually, like I said, you know, I went and hung out with adults. Given I was still a, I was still a product of my environment because we moved here and there was a lot more Southsiders here. And okay. my dad is a Northsider. And I had hatred in my heart for Southsiders. And so I got in fights. I got in trouble in school. And I got in fights in about fifth grade and I went to court and I had like 40 something hours of community service. And that's when I... In fifth grade? In fifth grade. What kind of a fight? It was pretty bad. Yeah. We, but it, yeah, it wasn't so, just one. There was... How does one know a South Sider or a North Sider? Are there tattoos? Tattoos, colors, language, just stuff like that. Uh, Northsiders wear red. Southsiders wear blue. Uh, Do you just 
see a person in red are you just instantly triggered or no how do you know that red actually means something so it, <laughs> yeah it there's a complete stigma around like i don't know how to really explain like you see someone like i see someone in blue and i instantly just like not everyone in blue but if they're wearing blue they have tattoos they're you know they're darker skinned they have 13 written on them somewhere. I, I, I become inflamed with rage inside, okay. even to today. But what does uh, 13 mean? So 13 is for the south side. 13 letter in the alphabet stands for M. So south side is the street gang for the Mexican mafia. Okay. Okay. North side. Have you seen that meme with the math? Yeah, that's just my brain. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) okay, yeah. So that's how like the Southsiders like that's their things. Thirteen stands for M in the alphabet. M is for Mexican Mafia, and the South Side is the street gang of the Mexican Mafia. Now, my dad and my family were all Northsiders. Northsiders are they wear red. They use the number fourteen. For 14th Street, whatever it may be, but it's the the uh, the 14th letter in the alphabet, which is N, and it's not for Northside. It's actually for Nuestra Familia, which is a mafia, which in translated means our family, because uh, the Nuestra Familia started in prison because it was Northsiders from Northern California. They went when they went to prison. Southsiders treated Northside like Northern Mexicans like trash because they were, and I quote, just farmers. Mm-hmm. Southsiders thought of themselves as superior, their intelligence kind of. You they're know, the white collar criminals. They're the white collar uh, Mexicans. Oh, yeah. Dear. Okay. While while the 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 Northsiders were the blue collar farmers, the you know and. What really started the the, the uh, rivalry like was a Southsider stole some shoes from a North uh, some Mexican from up north, mm. yeah, and so they started their you know Nuestra Familia, which was designed to protect North Northern Mexicans from the harsh, brutal beatings of Southsiders and the Mexican Mafia. About what year is this? Um, I think the sixties. Okay, about when that started. Yeah, because the 60s is when we see a rise in most gangs. You see a rise in the Bloods and Crips. Uh, you see a rise in the Northern Southsiders. And, yeah. Where, this is so interesting. Um, do you know of any books that I should read about this? Um, I mean, I don't, it doesn't seem like there would be many gang members that are, you know, publishing books. books. So, <laughs> my favorite one. It's called Blood in the Fields, which is a year. This this lady uh, kind of interviewed a bunch of Nuestra Familia. And the book goes over like a year in the life of a street like okay. Northsider, Salinas, California. And so, yeah. No, that's a really... Blood in the... Blood in the Fields. Blood in the Fields by yeah. whom? Um... Julia Reynolds. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so 
Can you tell me a couple really crazy stories? Oh, man. Um, if no one will go to prison? Not, not much. Okay. I don't remember a lot of them. I blocked off a lot That's of stuff fair. from my That's childhood. Fair. And there's even people in Ontario that like knew me from like middle school that would run up to me and be like, hey, Walter. And I even blocked middle school out of like public middle school, that part of my life out. Like, I don't remember a lot of people because of it. I just, it wasn't mm. a fun time in my life. And so I was just like, I don't know how, but I mentally blocked it all out. But there was just, you know, there, I was really protected. I'll put it that way from mm. a lot of things that like my wife brings up all the time. She was like, it is a miracle that I was never harmed. Like, yes, like sexually, because there's many, many, many people. It is ridiculous, the statistics of women and even boys that are sexually harmed that come from better places than I did. Yeah. And it is just, it's a miracle Yeah, that I was so protected. My wife all the time is like, your whole life is a miracle to God. Because, you know, being able to go from living in a home of gang members and drug addicts to being someone who now throws themselves into the Bible in apologetics. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, you always came to church. At what point do you think where you're like, okay, I'm like all in, I don't know, quote unquote, prayed the sinner's prayer. I so, don't know. I never prayed the sinner's prayer. <gasps> you're not my, saved? I've never prayed the sinner's prayer in my entire life. Okay. Um, it was honestly our eighth grade youth group camp up in McCall. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's when like my entire life changed. I went from getting in trouble on the daily to getting in trouble on the weekly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is a dramatic improvement. It, it really is. And my life was so much changed because I, I, at that point I just realized I don't want to I, I don't want this life and I have to completely give it over. And it took a while. You know, honestly, it took till I got kicked out of high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I I got kicked out of high school not for something I would have got kicked out of high school for if I wouldn't have been. So in high school, this kid was making fun of a, a kid in the special ed class. And I looked at him and I went, you know, because I, I have, you know, I, I grew up ghetto. Uh, you know, I was always called Waltero as a kid because yeah. I grew up ghetto. And so I looked at him and I went, stop or I'm going to stab you in the throat and watch the blood come out. Oh, dear. And so this was, it's funny because you might remember this. Do you remember Ken taking a bunch of kids down to see Marietta? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I went down there. My dad put a knife in my backpack because my dad knew we were going to Southern California. My dad, super, you know, gang member. And so he worries about that. And a North Sider? Is your dad a North Sider? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to the South. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so he, he he's always worried. And so it was literally the Monday after. 
Oh, and it was in your backpack. It was in my backpack. So you threatened. I didn't know it was in the backpack. And you had a knife. And I had the means to do so. And so that's what got me kicked out of high school. So so the threat alone wouldn't have. But it was the fact that I had the means in my backpack and I didn't know it. I wouldn't have said it. Like I grew up, I grew up with the thing. You it, thought it was a totally empty well, threat. Well, it yeah, empty threats were called wolf selling wolf tickets. Okay. Because it it mm-hmm. was this thing you like. I don't want to fight, and so I have to make my threat so good that it makes you think I'm crazier than I am. Right. Like to make you stop because I don't want to get to that point, and so. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hearing about this in high school, and I was just... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Walter, you said what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the type... I don't like seeing other people get picked on or other people get bullied, especially someone in, in special ed. Yeah. And it, it lit this fiery, like, intense inside me. And I, I snapped, and I went full ghetto, Walter. Like, just... Have you ever snapped since then? No. Or it, it snapped straight out of you? No, yeah. No, like, <laughs> I... I No, I have not. Uh, I don't ever want that to happen again, but... <laughs> I know Ghetto Walter's somewhere still inside there. My wife my wife says all the time, she looks at me and goes, you know I'm here just to ruin your street cred, right? And I was totally. like, yes, totally. you are. Like, I used to be the kid that... Everyone looked at it and was like, man, Walter's from the other side. And then now at church, the kids don't even, like, yeah. except for me and Ryan, sometimes we'll try and convince the kids, in which we officially, like, we have convinced them before, that Ryan met me, like, while Calvary was doing, like, an outreach to a oh, to nice. juvie. Oh, yeah, because they want to make, oh, I like it. I and like so it. me and Ryan, Ryan, they'd be like, so how'd you guys meet? And Ryan would be like, well, Calvary did this outreach to a juvie. <laughs> juvie. And oh, man. and so I met Walter, and we became friends while he was still in juvie. And then when he got out, we helped him out, and we just made up these long stories that convinced the kids half the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just hilarious. Oh, that's funny. So you have your own podcast. Yes. And it's called? The Reason Together Podcast. Cool. And it is about? Apologetics. And you can find it everywhere or just on Spotify? Uh, Spotify, um, Apple Podcast, or iTunes, whatever okay, you want to call perfect. it. So, um, you're yeah, into the funny. apologetics things. Yes. So, how? what is it about apologetics that just gets you? So, I grew... Once I turned 18... I moved in with David Armstrong, but mm-hmm. David was my mentor before I turned 18. And David is a philosopher. So with that influence, like I knew I didn't want to become dived into philosophy. And so I went to, I, he, we were talking one day and he told me about Norman Geisler, who he sat under in college. Norman Geisler has taught almost every apologist under the sun that you can think of. Norman taught Ravi Zacharias. Okay. He taught uh, Frank Turek. He he taught uh, everyone that you can almost think of. That's high up in apologetics in our in our, in our day and age. Uh, and David sat underneath him in college, 
And so I started reading Norman stuff and then eventually just kept going down the rabbit hole and went down who he taught and then who he taught friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And so eventually I just was so enthralled by it, just stuck inside of it that I wanted more. But honestly, it started from a selfish motive. As everything does. Well, it really did because you remember in high school, middle school, I was never really listened to from my opinions Mm -hmm. on the Bible. I wasn't good at remembering Bible verses. I wasn't good at just sitting down and reading or Mm -hmm. any of that. But when I found apologetics, like... It clicked because apologetics is a good balance between, you know, all of it. Between evangelism, theology, philosophy, mm-hmm. and the Bible. All mm-hmm. four go into apologetics. Okay. And so it started from a really selfish point of, now they have to listen to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay. like you're going to come up to a question you don't understand, and I'm going to have the answer. Because I was so used to everyone else having the answers. But eventually my heart softened and I wanted to teach what I've learned to those whose families didn't teach them apologetics to the kids in our youth groups because 9 out of 10 kids leave the church when they go to college. Frank Mm -hmm. Turk says, why were they talked out of it? It's because they were never talked into it. Yeah, I think youth group is a train wreck. Oh, yeah. My experience. Especially if it's not done right. Yeah. Like... It needs more apologetics. Mm-hmm. It needs to be why we believe what we believe, not just what we believe. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even in our youth group, how much of us are even left that are still at church? Um, you? <laughs> it's like you, me, me Ryan, Jordan, Sherry, Joe, yeah. and Ian. Oh, yeah. Sherry, Joe, and Ian. Um, Susanna... And her husband, they, they just, were, they she just, was younger. Yeah, a little bit younger, but yeah. they, they just, and her to husband was in our now. youth group. Yeah. But really, no one other than me and you and Ryan and Jordan are really involved mm-hmm. in, like, in. It's a really bad percentage. Yeah. We had a huge youth group. Yeah. That's what got me. I, I, I looked at it and I went, why did so much people leave? And yeah. that's when I, Dived into apologetics. Gotcha. I don't know very much about apologetics. Mm -hmm. So the questions that I sent you, were those decent questions? Yeah. Okay, so I'll just go through them? Yep. Okay, so uh, have you studied many other branches of Christianity? Um, I've studied a couple. Um, Recently, in the past two years, I've studied more in Calvinism and Arminianism. Mm-hmm. Because my father-in-law is like a staunch Calvinist, and I'm neither. Yeah, I I am definitely in the the river called Grace. <laughs> yeah, my wife says all the time, Calvinism and Armenian meet in a river called Grace. Yeah, in which is how it should be. You know, Calvinists like to get caught up in this. Oh, there is no free will. Everything you do, you do and choose is predestined by God. And then mm-hmm. Armenians are like, of course not. I have free will. I I have to be able to choose. Mm-hmm. And 
there's the the far Calvinist and the far Arminian. Like the far Calvinists make God the author of sin because everything that you do that is sinful is because God preordained it. Everything you do, mm-hmm. and then the far Arminian makes God less than than our free will because it's like oh God has no power. Our free will subsedes God, and He can't affect it. Mm-hmm. But there's like my wife says, a river in the middle called grace, where God is outside of time, mm-hmm. and God looks at us as a a time. Imagine a ruler, and we're at six right now. Mm-hmm. He can scroll back to Jesus and see what happened then, and he can scroll forward to our great 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 grandkids if that. If he, mm-hmm. you know, if he doesn't come back by then. Yeah. All of that is within a fluid motion for him. But us, we're locked in time. And so, of course, he has pre-knowledge of ex- everything that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, as far as Puritans, not much or any of the... Like, or Presbyterians never, or Never Lutherans really looked into or... denominations much. Okay. Um. Uh, I looked into Catholicism, but other than that, I, I've I've read a couple books on Mormonism and, mm-hmm. but that's that goes into other religions that I've looked yeah. into more. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, how much of apologetics is based on the saints and their ideas and like you know the creeds and the first heretics and yeah, our I, old our old saints and yeah, because there were a few that they thought they were just thinking about what the implications mm-hmm. of the Bible and and everything meant. And sometimes they'd have a good idea and then they'd get recognition and then they'd go a little crazy and eventually become heretical because they just... Kind of, yeah. Took it too far. Yeah. Um, well, it goes really far back to on that. Um, even in the Bible, we find apologetics uh, because even Justin Martyr gives Mm -hmm. a defense for the faith that he has before he gets killed Mm -hmm. like but outside of that we can go to like augustine Mm -hmm. or or augustine who lived from like 354 to like 430 a.d gerhard strauss has a book on augustine and his uh beliefs on scripture his view on scripture was that scripture is absolutely authoritative and inerrant in itself but does not carry credibility for itself that Mm -hmm. is that no one's just going to jump up and believe it just because it this book says so but it's completely inherent and is completely authoritative it just does not have the credibility on itself okay and that's where augustine comes in it's just like the bible says you can trust me and you're like of course you would say that you're the but like, Bible. <laughs> but like we can trust you. Yeah. And we know this because it has the authority, uh, authority to do mm-hmm. so. But it doesn't have alone the credibility. Like we got to remember all the churches that Paul or any of the authors are talking to saw signs, wonders, and miracles. They, mm-hmm. they saw the, the, the credibility that goes along with it. Now, you know, Jesus says, you know, blessed is those who haven't seen and yet believe. Mm-hmm. Because there is going to be a time, like today, where we don't have those miracles to rely mm-hmm. on. But we have logic, reason, history, archaeology. We have old manuscripts of the Bible 
that mm-hmm. all of this can compile and proven with a reasonable doubt. Even our court system tries to a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. They don't ask for set evidence in something mm-hmm. to sentence someone to prison. It's is there is it beyond a reasonable doubt? Mm-hmm. And we have. And that's why William Lane Craig's book is Reasonable Faith. We can do like there's also like Thomas Aquinas who is like twelve twenty four to twelve seventy four who makes the distinction between truths that surpass human understanding such as the Trinity and truths that are within grasp of human understanding, like, does God exist? What is the difference between, like, apologetics or just, like, theology, theology or creation science mm-hmm. and archaeology? Yeah. Is that a big deal? Yeah. So, apologetics and theology are as close as science teachers and scientists. Okay. So, a scientist goes in and he finds... You know, all the evidence and figures out how this works. That's our theologians, our philosophers, who look at things and go, all right, how does God work? How much more can we understand about God? While the apologist looks at your findings and listens to them speak, and we take it and we show, we give it to the masses. We're the ones who give it to essentially like the science teacher in school. We're the ones who break it down for those who are not well-versed in theology and philosophy or, you know, creation science or archaeology, whatever it may be. And we take it and we hand it out in a way that people can understand. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially how apologetics is. Is It's really the, imagine a spider web and it's right there in the middle. That's where all of it runs into. I see. Uh I also call like apologetics is the better uh, is the better evangelism mm-hmm. because evangelism goes and tells people Jesus loves you and wants you in heaven with him, <laughs> you know, uh, and the only way to him is by accepting what he did on the cross for you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, apologetics does the exact same thing, but when someone has questions about what I said about you know Jesus, instead of just saying oh just have faith, just read the Bible. Yeah. You know, I can actually go Yeah, because you're like, what if I don't believe the Bible? Yeah, like like, like Augustine said, the Bible has no credibility on and of itself. Yeah. I have to give it credibility. I have to, you know, I know a lot of times people bring up the, oh, you can't, ju- you can't defend an, a lion. But, like, they say you can't yeah. defend a lion. You okay. just have to unlock the door. Okay, sure. Apologetics, in my opinion, is unlocking the door. It is. It was showing that there is a lion in here, and if you want to play, it will devour you, and it will show you that it's right. Yeah. But apologetics is unlocking the door. A lot of people think it's like, oh, just saying, bringing up the Bible is unlocking the door. But in like my view, unlocking the door is giving defense for it. Right. I have to let it out. Is there a particular branch? Of it that is most interesting to you? Of? Archaeology or so is mine is, science is or... really philosophical. Okay. It comes down to, my favorite is, uh, William Lane Craig defends it the most, is uh, the Kalam cosmological argument, which is anything that comes into existence has a cause. And the universe has a beginning, comes into existence, mm-hmm. therefore it has a cause. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. We go into the absur- absurdity of infinites, about how an infinite cannot actually work. And it is crazy to actually think. It doesn't make sense to us poor little humans. Yeah, no, it it literally just doesn't logically follow anyway. Like, to have it in today. Like, in the simplest form, if there was an infinite amount of days before today, today would never arrive. Because we had to traverse through another infinite amount of days. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's that's really the small hard to side think of about. it. Yeah. And so the the Kalam cosmological argument is my favorite. Like, that's the one that definitely solidifies my faith in in a God. And other things you have to look into for, is the Bible true? Which is, does truth exist? Are miracles possible? And is the New Testament reliable? I still have so many questions left. That's all right. Keep going. So, uh, in your podcast... You have just like 10 to 15 minute little episodes yeah. talking about each of these little subjects. Um, how, like what goes into each one? Do you, how much studying goes into like 15 minutes? <laughs> um, honestly, it's quite a bit. I take like two weeks to get those 15 minutes out because I want to make sure that what I'm saying is is true. Like mm-hmm. uh, Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig. I've read that book three times and I still don't understand some things. Mm-hmm. It took me three times to understand the absurdity of infinites. And I'm glad I have these resources to be able to go back and check my thoughts on and base it off of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up one of your questions, which is, you know, do I just essentially regurgitate, you know, what I've yeah. read? Or do I actually think of my own analogies? So I te- I, I, I do both. Okay. I but a lot of the time is me regurgitating. Yeah. Because I never went to seminary. Mm-hmm. I never went to college. I am self-taught. You know, I am autodidactic. And you're like 22 or 23. And I'm, yeah, I'm 23. No yeah. one's gonna listen to me if I'm just like, oh, but it's this. They're yeah. like, uh, why do you say that? And but if I go, you know, Sean McDowell, who has a PhD, says this, or Doctor. Frank Turek says this. They have these credibilities and credentials on their names that if I quote them is just a little bit better if I'm just saying, if I'm taking it and thinking of my own analogies. Yeah. Because then I'm trying to put the credibility on myself and -hmm. I don't have it yet. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Super smart. So would you like this, this to be your profession? Yes, uh, in a way. I have a calling to youth groups. I want to be a youth leader. But until that comes, I have to be faithful with what I can do now. And what I can do now is I can equip equipped others with the knowledge in which I have learned. Mm-hmm. So if I can't be the leader of a youth group, I will... I will speak to all the kids in my youth group through a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, you know Seth. Seth is one of the kids that I really do this for because I see Seth. Seth is reminds me so much of myself and my childhood that I don't want to see them fall away. I see I look at our youth group and I don't want to see the youth group that we have at our church now or at another church that I help with fall away. I don't want to see that. It, it it would hurt me. It would break me because 
at the end of the day, I will stop and go, what did we do wrong? Because I do stop and go, what did my youth group do wrong? What did their parents do wrong? And from here, I go... Man, this is a whole another episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Ay-ay-ay. because... So, essentially, I do want to become a youth leader. Because I want to be able to firsthandly instill all of this knowledge into the next generation. Uh, Sean McDowell and Jay Warner Wallace. Sean McDowell is the son of Josh McDowell, who wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Mm-hmm. And Jay Warner Wallace is a cold case homicide detective. Oh. He's actually the number one cold case homicide detective in the United States. That's exciting. Yeah, he's been on Dateline more than any other detective in the world. What? Yeah, because he has, he has cracked cold cases. Nice. And so this is almost heresy. I think <laughs> Jay Warner Wallace is so much better than than Lee Strobel. Oh. Yeah, yeah oh, that's almost heresy. You can't say that. I can't that. say that. No, but Lee Strobel, you can't touch yeah, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is a journalist. Lee Strobel went to all these people with PhD doctorates yeah. and took what they said and compiled it into a book mm-hmm. called Case for Christ. Jay Warner Wallace is a cold case homicide detective, the best one in the United States. And he looked at Christianity. He was an atheist, devout atheist also. And he looked at Chris, looked at Christianity with the exact same science and methodology as looking at a cold case. So he looked at the firsthand uh, accounts from our from the apostles, you know, the eyewitness details. And he goes, "There is some things that are different between the eyewitness details." And he goes, "Which I want, because if they were identical, he goes, it would be thrown out in court for contempt." He's like it would it, you would be in cahoots you would you we would know they sat down and got their story straight. Yeah. And the fact that like one leaves out that there's another angel or one leaves out that there was an earthquake at the you know at the resurrection when they went to go check the tomb. Like he goes that's ex- that's that's expected. But the underlying thing is still there. Right. So um there's this really great YouTube channel and podcast that I think you would really like called the 10 minute Bible hour. Hmm. And this guy uses such a perfect example of the discrepancies in the gospels. He, um, when he did this episode, he had just been at Yellowstone. So he said, you know, we were just at Yellowstone. If you ask my son what he saw, he would probably say, well, we saw a grizzly bear and we saw a wolf then we saw an elk and then we saw old faithful and but then if you ask the daughter she might say well we saw an elk then we went to old faithful and then we ate dinner and then the next day we saw the wolf but like the details are the same but for each child they have a little bit different priorities of, of how they're trying to tell their experience at yellowstone but neither one is lying. Yeah, not at all. Uh, Luke, I believe it's Luke, is a physician. That's why when he talks about uh, the, the the crucifixion, he talks about when Jesus gets stabbed in the side, that blood and water comes out. Mm-hmm. None of the others talk about that. But Luke is a physician, in which he goes, that's how he knows like that something is wrong with Jesus. Because they actually didn't know what caused that then. But that's proof that he's dead. 
They didn't know about that until years later. But him being a physician, he wrote that down because it it he's like that's something that's up with the human body. Yeah. And we didn't know about why blood and water came out, and it's from suffocation. Oh, r- like, really? Like it's from literally drowning yourself. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and so the the discrepancies are actually helpful. And even if there are discrepancies, like um, there's one about how the king was like 22 when he became king. And there's one that he was 42 when he became king. Mm -hmm. And we look at that and go, that can't be. And we know that can't be. But the the thing is, is the the Bible was written by humans. You know, there are going to be these discrepancies. And it's actually a bigger thing for the Bible and for the scribes who wrote all this down. They didn't, like, see that and change it back to 422. They just copied what they saw. They just copied what was written in front yeah, of them. Yeah, they didn't think, mm, this doesn't make this. sense, yeah. better leave, leave it out. It, yeah, we leave it in our Bible today mm-hmm. because we don't want to change the Word of God. And the the thing is, is we know he had to have been 22. His father was 40 when he died. Yeah. He couldn't be 42. You can't be older than your father. But, like, it adds the credibility to the scribes in which who write down the Bible in their time. Because people bring up the, the overzealous scribes all the time. Like, oh, how do we know the scribes didn't just change it and make God look, uh, Jesus look more godlike? It's like, well, that's not how scribes worked and operated. Yeah. And they, they, they were so in. Like, there that was their life. They they would have been killed if they changed something. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't have been good. Okay, so any last things that you want to talk about? Um, you asked that. Uh, who are my influences in apologetics? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like I said earlier, I I love Norman Geisler, who died about a year ago. That's who started me into apologetics. That's who, where I want to go to college. He started a college in North Carolina called Southern Evangelical Seminary. And that's where I want to go someday for college. But for now, I do have to rely on all of my other resources. You know? Yeah. Um, I was saying Sean McDowell and J. Warner Wallace. Uh, this is a brand new book that I actually got today. Okay. It's called So the Next Generation Will Know. And so this book is actually like based on how to talk to Gen Zers about the gospel. Okay. And then, of course, my Bible, but which is Apologetic Study Bible, who is done okay. by Sean McDowell. So Sean McDowell is the executive uh, editor. Okay. And they have so much things in this Bible, such as, let's see, I'll get the page turned on there. Uh, additional features where he has so many different theologians and scientists and uh, apologists on here. Like, you can see these pages are full. Mm -hmm. These are all, like, added uh, things in here that are full-on, like, almost like three paragraphs of going over these examples, such as, let's see... Mm -hmm. Sean McDonald has one why should I wait until marriage to have sex Mm -hmm. in which he goes over that or Josh who is his father has one on 
is the New Testament reliable? Mm-hmm. In which he goes over how much manuscripts we have of the test of the New and Old Testament far exceed any other book in history. Like far exceed. Mm-hmm. And then we have you got like twisted scriptures in which taught like oh my favorite yeah and so these are <laughs> scriptures that are taken out of context mm-hmm. by either Christians or even by Mormons or Muslims or Seventh Day Adventists or anyone that you can think of they they have them in here where it's like oh they pull this out of context and use it in this way and then it goes through and shows you the correct way. And then it has like bones and dirt, like you were saying for archaeology. Mm-hmm. It goes through, and if something comes up in the Bible, they have like their archaeological finds right next to it that correlate with it. Okay. Yeah. And so hmm. that's one of my biggest resources. Thing. And then, like I was saying, Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig, you know, Christian Truth and Apologetics. Hardest book I ever read. Also, the first apologetics book I read. <laughs> It was not yeah. a good choice to start with this book. David Armstrong warned me against this. He goes, that was the hardest book he ever read at one point. Yeah. Because it's not, it, it's really deep. Like I said, it goes into the absurdity of infinites. So, um, uh, The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I have tried to read it a few times. And I'm on page two, and I've spent like an hour at at Google Dictionary. Yeah. And I'm just like, is that kind of like that book? Yeah. Yeah. So I say I've read it three times, but that's me saying that I've read it from from cover to back. Mm -hmm. Like every page I've probably read at least ten times. Right. Because I just like, hold up, did I have a stroke? What did I just read? (laughs) Yeah. And then... uh, The Logic of God. Yep. That's a... Good one. I haven't read it. Jordan's yeah. been reading it. Yeah, it's super good. You know, it's by Robbie. It's a easy 52 uh, okay. once a week because Robbie, when they came to him, they're like, we wanted you to do a, a devotion book. And Robbie goes, I don't like devotion books. And they're like, what do you mean? He goes, well, they're really trite. They're, yeah. He's like, they're small little things. And he goes, I want something that I can think of and chew on for a week. Yeah. So they made 52. Mm-hmm. So it's designed for you only do it once a week. And then you marinate and you think about what what is you know, being said in here. Uh, let's see if I can find one. You know, does prayer matter? Um, another book I got about a month ago is a, a New Kind of Apologist by Sean McDowell also. Okay. Which kind of is a presupposent presupposition kind of a beforehand book for the uh so the next generation kind of okay where 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 it's going on what an uh, apologist nowadays should look like the upstanding in which we need to take to to actually reach today's youth and then probably one of the probably the second most known apologetics work evidence that demands a verdict Okay. And, by, oh, and that's it's by yeah. that guy. It's, no, this is by Sean, Josh McDowell. Oh. So it's his father. Oh. Yeah. So Josh was in college, just like every other apologist you think of, was in college and someone brought up Christianity. He left college to disprove the Bible. Oh. He went to read 
the oldest copies of the Bible in which we have. He learned Greek, Hebrew, and all that just to disprove the Bible. My land as, as an atheist. And just like every other atheist, like Lee Strobel, J. Warner Wallace, and <laughs> Josh McDowell, at the end, he's like, this is true. Yeah. Sean, when he was like 19 or so, he was still like high school age, he came up to his dad and he goes, I don't know if I believe this. And Josh sat there and goes, good. And Sean's like, what do you mean good? Like, like you're the number one leading apologist in this field right now. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. you, how are you not mad that I don't understand? And Josh goes, this is a perfect time for you to make this your own faith. Yeah. You look into this. Stop taking what I say. And that's what with, I feel what with Christians now. We just like ride on the coattails of our parents. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, our parents were Christians, so therefore I'm a Christian. And Josh and was like, that's one of my favorite stories is Josh saying, good. Now go uh, do the research. Yeah, questioning is good. Yeah. And now Sean McDowell is a PhD in in all of this so far. I think he's working on his doctorates. And then my other two that I didn't bring is uh, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, mm-hmm. which is a book by Frank Turk, co-authored with uh, Norman Geisler. And that was like the first one after William Lane Craig that I read that I I, I love Frank Turk. And then he has another book called Stealing from God. And it's a uh, second heading is why atheists need God to make their claims. Because it's like <laughs> you're stealing from God to make your claim. All the time, atheists do. And so it's it's another great book. Mm-hmm. And then on your phone, uh, they have like the cross-examined app for Frank Turek. Uh, oh. Reasonable Faith, which is William Lane Craig has an app. Um, Southern Evangelical Seminary, SES, has an app. RZIM, Ravi Zacharias, has an app. And then they're all, like, my favorite is the uh, Cross-Examined Podcast, because which is an app, uh, because they're, they're evergreen podcasts, which means it's going to be relevant today as it okay. was in 2012, okay. 13. yeah. And then you can, like, look by guests. Oh, that's exciting. And then by subjects. And then on here, they also give, uh, on the bottom, which is quick answers. So you have truth, God, Bible. Interesting. And so... What's this one called? uh, (laughs) Cross-examined. Yeah. Probably have to get that one. Because it's fantastic. And so those are the, uh, essentially, all the books that I use to be self-taught in apologetics right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I think it's probably time to wrap this up. Do you have to work tomorrow? No. Really? Hmm. Nice. I wish I didn't have to work tomorrow. (laughs) Okie dokie. So I'm going to ask, these are fairly quick questions. So, uh, what's your favorite animal? Falcon. Oh, yeah, it's tattooed on my back. Um, Any reasons? Okay, it's tattooed on your back. It's my last name. It's your last name. Do I have to have any other reasons? No. I mean, I wanted to become a falconer when I was young, but it takes seven years to be... Like, you have to train under another registered falconer for seven years before you can you become a registered... You better have a lot of other people paying your bills Seriously. To do okay, what's your favorite article of clothing? Not necessarily a specific 
shirt or whatever, but like you like shirts, you like socks or shoes or... Um, I like my boots. I love my Doc Martens. Okay. Yeah. And a couple reasons? Um, they're the only shoes that ever last me, like boots. They're good like, and sturdy? Yeah. I had a pair that I bought when me and Sarah first started dating. I wore it for two years straight every day. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you like The Office or Parks and Rec? Mm. Parks and Rec. Ah, same. I, I didn't think there was another one out there, but yeah. here we are. If I had to choose between the two, it's definitely Parks and mm-hmm. Rec. Uh, What's your favorite ep? Favorite episode? Yeah. Oh, man. I love the, the episode where Ron and April go to the store and like... There, he's like, oh, getting, is this the Whole Foods? Yeah, and he's oh, getting the, the bacon, the, the bacon, bacon, and he like drops it in the trash. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> and he's like, I can't give one. you another one, and she grabs it and drops it in the trash. Also, yeah, that one's pretty good. When they have the cook off with Chris Traeger, oh that's yes. really good. It's an all unmeat, and then or, I was, I thought it was a turkey burger. That's it. Or yeah, whatever it was, and then Ron just drops this slab of meat in front of you. He's like, it's meat. Yeah, he's like they're like, this is it, and he's like, you can add ketchup and mustard if you want, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've had turkey burgers; they aren't bad, but I mean, you can't. I've had turkey bacon, which isn't bad. I've never had a turkey burger. Carl's Jr. has them, and since their burgers are like fourteen hundred, does anyone go to Carl's Jr.? I like. I've never been to that place in my entire life. Oh, really? Yeah. But their burgers are so calorie dense, so if you get the turkey meat. That's it saves a little bit. Okay. Um, so Genesis like 1 through 11. So pre-Abraham. Mm-hmm. Legend or history? History. By far. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting close to this question of old versus young earth. Mm-hmm. So. We do the, not have time. We do. We do. We definitely okay. do. Okay. We have time. Okay. So. Says <laughs> the guy who doesn't work tomorrow. I love this question because. I have no set opinion on this question. Okay. I am neither a young earth creationist and I am neither an old earth creationist. I am a creationist. (laughs) Yeah. I stick with what I know. I know God created this planet. How long it took, it does not matter. And they both fit into uh, Genesis. Yeah. Like Easily. Yeah. Because if you go back and look at uh, the wording for day, we use it today. The same style of wording. Babe Ruth was the best baseball player in his day. Yeah. Do you think one day, Babe Ruth, like one physical day, Babe Ruth was the best baseball player to ever existed? Yeah. Like, that's not how it's used. We By day, they meant a span of time. And that's how, like, even in Hebrew, that's one of the usage of day. Mm-hmm. I know the young earthers, they're like, so then why did God cap it with then there was morning, then there was night? And which is another thing for this, the seventh day, you know, creation, like literal. Mm-hmm. So it goes back and forth. It's back and forth. And I think personally, that's how it should be. That's how, like, who cares how, <laughs> if it was seven days or 13 billion years, God's outside of times. It was all the same to him. Yeah. See, I lean more towards the, uh, the old earth. On the one fact that I think is more that I like is I don't like taking assumptions. So I don't like assuming that 
maybe the the speed of light has changed because right because if, there are stars that we can see that are further than six yeah, or ten thousand light yeah. years away because the yeah the light doesn't it takes a lot longer than that to reach here and that's one of the assumptions that a seven day uh, creationist would have to assume yeah. is that it just here it is. That God broke all of his rules when he created yeah. things. Yeah, and, and why and would then, God make yeah. the rules if he's just going to break it? Yeah. Like, we do have him break the rules for miracles, but that's something different. That's to prove, you know, miracles were always as an example of proof. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no one, no human around to prove to. Why would he break it? Like, it doesn't matter how yeah. long it took. Yeah, exactly. Well, what really blew it and, wide and open think about for it. me... Can you name every animal in a day? Oh, no. Every animal. No. Like, I love Whoa. Frank Turk. He goes, you know, by the beginning of the day, he was great. Adam was like, hippopotamus. Yeah, by the end, he's like, he's just, bug. Elk. <sighs> Bat. That's a super good point. That to go and name all those animals. Yeah, in 24 hours. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that really broke it wide open for me that kind of... Was that heresy? God's like, <laughs> God's hey, like hey, 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 hey. Lights are all flickering So what in made here. me rethink things was um, I was reading... Rob Bell? Oh, please tell me not. I was not reading Rob Bell. Good. So I had been really frustrated with the bible i hadn't read the bible in a long time i'd just been frustrated i'd been the way that i had been taught how to interpret the bible was completely wrong and i was just getting so mad that Mm -hmm. my interpretation skills were not lining up with reality in any way shape or form so Mm -hmm. it was really ticking me off so i quit reading the bible then one day i sat down and read the creation story and i was like oh my goodness the creation timeline is the same timeline as evolutionists. Like first water, then plants, mm-hmm. then fish, then land animals, then humans. Mm-hmm. Or f- then land plants or whatever. I got confused. Yeah. So, but it was the same order and I went, okay, so maybe they're on to something. And then that made me think like, really, why does it have to be a 24-hour period? Yeah. And then I looked at how the language of the creation chapter like the symmetry and it made me think of a poem yeah like and then it was morning and then it was evening and it sounds like poetry it and does. not a scientific description yeah. also i don't think the bible is a science book that's well, not how i would it definitely necessarily has in it like read it years before we knew why to wash your hands in running water it talks about washing your hands in yeah, running water. that's totally fair like things on why not to eat pork like, they didn't have the right cooking back then. Like, pork is one of the deadliest meat you can eat if yeah, you don't cook it right. it wasn't like God was like, let me go into the biology of germs. Or I can just say, just don't, say eat don't eat it. Don't eat pork. it. Just anything with a hoof foot. Don't eat it. And they're like, well, that was rude. It's like, well, they also didn't have the same cooking we did. Yeah. 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 No. But I, I'm, I will put it this way. I don't believe in evolution. Like, when I say oh, old no. earth creation... I definitely don't mean evolution. But I do think if somehow, by a long chance, that evolution was 100% proven as fact, still does not negate God in any way. Mm-hmm. Because it still goes back to a singularity. It still mm-hmm. goes back to this point of nothingness. And you can't have nothing come from nothing. 
That's why my clump, like the clump cosmological argument, still stands with all of it because yeah. it goes back to the single point. Where did that come from? What did the Big Bang come from? Mm-hmm. We believe in the Big Bang as Christians. We just call it Genesis one one. Everything came into existence. Existence. We still see the afterglow. We still our our universe is still expanding mm-hmm. from the Big Bang. But I I. Like, when people hear old earth creation, they instantly go to, like, oh, evolution. Nuh-uh. And it's like, I never said anything about evolution. Right. Like, plants take time to grow. (laughs) Have you seen the redwoods? Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) But my thing is, is my next podcast on mine is going to be on the subject of things that that divide our churches that shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Churches shouldn't divide over if it's old or young earth. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't divide over are you pre or post a uh, trip. Mm-hmm. Like none of these are important to leave our brothers and sisters. Like there are way more important things like abortion. There's way more important things like child slavery and select tra- sex trading that we can die on. Mm-hmm. Why are we dying on these hills of old versus young earth or pre versus post or is the mark of the beast going to be a chip implanted in our hand? We don't really know. Why are we why are we breaking our churches up for this? And it's it is the you know, this it is Satan driving a wedge between our churches for something that is trivial. Mm-hmm. What do we agree on? Will we we agree that God, Yahweh, Jesus the Holy yeah, Spirit in one. Just go back to the one. Apostles' Creed, people. Yeah, it's like the Holy Spirit, the Trinity in one, created everything. Yeah. The, Jesus will come back when he wants to, because when well when the Father allows him to, because he's outside of time. It's up to him. Like I can have an opinion, but it's just that it's an opinion. But we all should be living our day like this is our last. That's why we're called to the Great Commission: go and create disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't go, oh, on this date, just make sure you tell enough people before then. Like, we're told, go out, create disciples. <laughs> He's going to come back like a thief in the night. You don't want to be standing around doing something stupid. <laughs> and so, so my, yeah, my next podcast is going to be on these things that that tear our churches apart that shouldn't. Yeah. Okay, I have a feeling you're going to turn this into a long talk, too. Um, aliens. Aliens. Oh, snap. Um, biblically? No. Aliens do not exist. How biblically? How, like, there's, how there's, biblically? There's just nothing in the Bible that talks about aliens. But the Bible also doesn't talk about a lot of things. <laughs> but the Bible also doesn't say there's not aliens. It doesn't say there's not aliens, but it also... But, I know. ...doesn't say... But... Everything. So... doesn't mention cell phones. It doesn't. Cell You're phones right. exist. Now. Not then. <laughs> so you're saying there's aliens now, but not then? Yes. Yes. I don't know <laughs> what I'm saying. Earth. But no, uh, personally, I don't believe in aliens. Just... But again, it doesn't change the fact, like, in my opinion. Like, that's where I'm at with a lot of these things. Like, if there's aliens, Great. they still need a first cause. Everything needs a first cause and cause. Yeah, so one I had never really considered aliens until I saw a pastor answer a question. It was just a question and answer of, are there aliens? And he answered something along the lines of, 
if there are aliens, it disproves everything we know about God and creation. And I went, how? Uh, well, I don't think so. No. I think if God could make us, he could make yeah, other exactly. things. Like, look at all the animals he made. Yeah, exactly. And like, but it does beg the, 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 the question. So when we, when we look at the, the radiation afterglow, the radiation afterglow is actually even from our position. So the the uh, the um, so the Big Bang has started actually somewhere around us and expanded. The thing would have to be that he created them somewhere after us. They would not be an older civilization. Than okay, Earth. I see, I see. Yeah, because yeah, the way the Big Bang happened. Okay, <sighs> one last one. What or who inspires you to be your best self? Hmm. My wife. Okay. Like great I mean, answer. There's things that she allows me to do that I don't think any other wife would really allow me to do ministry wise. And yeah. like we homeschool six kids. We're looking at getting three more. Mm-hmm. Four more, actually. That's insane. Yeah, we're looking at getting four more. Like that would have just been no for a lot of families. <laughs> And we're poor. Like, we're broker than broke. Uh, there's a book called uh, Radical. Changed my life. Changed Sarah's life. Before. She's the one who showed me it. But there's just things that, like, we don't stress over because we realize our needs are met. Mm-hmm. What else do we need? Like, in our opinion, like, our entire life is for Christ. You know, I've... Like I said, I want to be a youth leader. If the time comes where I can be on staff at our church, preferably, but a church and have influence on kids, I'm going to jump on it. But I'm, you know, I want to be living to my, our biggest calling, which is the Great Commission every day. And with homeschooling, with helping with around two youth groups right now, with uh, help, well, three if you count the middle school group at our church mm-hmm. and it just a lot of this thing that i would probably would not have been able to do with any other wife like i'd be working 40 hours a week because it's like well just make money buy a house have kids have a white picket fence you know have the three and a half kids that comes with you know the american dream and as a kid i wanted that I wanted that so bad. I like I saw you guys. I saw the gams. I saw everyone and I was like, I want that life. I want that security. I got married and I went, I don't want that. I don't want to be at work 40 hours a day doing something that is so trivial that I, like I sit there half the time and going, I could just be at church. I could I could be talking with someone at a coffee shop. I could be ministering into someone's life that needs help. And there's no one, like, I don't believe that a lot of other wives would allow me to do so. No, I And be there so. right hand in hand with me, especially. Mm-hmm. And it is fantastic to have her. And I think that has to do with the seven years difference. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, like, it is hilarious because she's seven years older than me. My mom is seven years older than my dad. Hmm. And it's just a random coincidence that happened. But she's already been to Romania twice. 
she's lived in the you know the ministry field she was a, a youth leader yeah she's just the person that i want to make happy you know mm-hmm. that's not god and like it goes god my wife and then from there it just goes on very sweet well thanks for coming yeah this was fun yeah Thank you for listening to Peak Curiosity. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on the iTunes. I do not have any social media, but I would still love to hear from you. So you can email me at peakcuriositypod at gmail.com.